Who believes that God wants to outbless them? Who believes that God wants to shower and open the windows of heaven upon their life? Deuteronomy 1 verse 11. And may the Lord, the God of your ancestors, multiply you a thousand times more and bless you as he has promised. So God is always looking to fulfill the promise to bless you times over, to multiply and increase you on every side. Amen. Often, though, the reality is that sometimes we ask this question, God, are you really for me? And this has been a re- I've been listening to the messages as I've been powering for this and um, with really with interest. I know Pastor Chip brought a message a, <clears throat> a few weeks ago, and it was a real soul-searching question, and an honest question. And often, sometimes, if we think we're too spiritual to ever ask it, we're not, if we search our hearts. And it's like saying, really, that... God, are you really there? Remember that a few weeks ago? You know, and often I think we all come to the stage where we do ask. We know God is there, but we do ask the reality. We see it in the word, we see it. But really, in the situation I'm going through, God, are you really interested in this situation? Are you really working on my behalf? And then um, a man a few weeks ago brought about doubt, and he brought a question himself, do we ever doubt God? And the truth of the matter is that we do. We do all go through times of doubt. And, and I think it can be the same really for the title today, our God is for us. God, are you really for us? God, are you really working in that situation? Are you really on my side? Have you really, God, have you really got my back covered in this situation? You know, we look at some of the heroes in the Bible. Psalm 10, <clears throat> verse 1. Why do you stand afar off, O Lord? You know, it's an honest question. God, you seem to love God. You seem to be far. You seem to be distant. Why do you hide yourselves in times of trouble? Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Do you sometimes ever think that God's forgotten you? God has forgotten your situation? Do you sometimes ever get a bit... Nervous when things just to see, seem to be silent? Why do you hide your face from me? Do you ever sometimes think that your breakthrough has actually come and it's all it is, it's not quite a complete testimony? You thought it was God's answer, but it's not quite there yet. Sort of like a fault storm. I mean, even when Joseph was in prison, I'm sure when the butler was there, was it, he was departing out of the prison, he, was, he sort of probably within a week or so, um, he's going to tell of me and I'll be brought out. But he, he had to wait a, lot, a, a time more before that time happened. And sometimes when you think your lights come and it's not quite as you thought it would be. Um, I remember I shared the testimony in the first service that, you know, last summer, you know, Ruth and I were going through some, you know, we just financial things and her job self-employed was very quiet for a couple of months and she seemed to be getting offers to work and then the client kept cancelling on her all the time was oh thank god that's an offer and then all of a sudden the client would cancel this was going and then also around about that same time i had a check in the post from the um our supplier we were with electricity supplier and it was for a check that we were, I was in credit of £632. Whoa, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so, so that's what I was. I'm going to share this in my harvest group. I'm going to share this. And I just left it, you know, because I was really probably leaving it for a time and I needed to really cash in on it. And that time soon came. So I remember that the afternoon, um, it was really when we had the hot summer and 
And I know what the date was, because I'll tell you as I tell the story, because I phoned up and said, right, right. Um, I, I, I was really thankful, but it must have been the solar panel saving me all that. And, and I said, oh, can we, um, you know, I'm really sorry we're leaving, but I understand good what the letter says, I'm 632 or whatever it is, in credit. And, um, and then she was saying to me, oh, um, she, she was saying, oh, are you watching the England semi-final tonight? And I says, yeah. And she, she says, well, I won't cheer England on because I'm from Ireland. So, so, um, so that's when it was. And then she says, unfortunately, Mr Gallagher, you're not £632 in credit. And I said, well, I did think it was a bit good, but even if it's 200 300 it's something, isn't it? And then she says, actually, you owe us £180. So do you sometimes think, well, surely God was you not in that check? <laughs> but trust me, in the bigger picture, God has more than blessed me, more than £632. And sometimes you come through those situations, you think, God, my breakthrough is there, but it's just not quiet. And then... <clears throat> We also look in um, Judges 6, verse 11, with Gideon. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebith tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Josh, Amazite, which his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and says, The Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. What words? God is with you. And what did God, Gideon say? Oh, yeah. He said, oh, Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has this happened to us? Do you sometimes think that, yeah, as a believer, I go to church, I tithe, I give, and <clears throat> but why do I go through what I'm going through? Why is this situation? It's not what I, I've expected. And Gideon was in that situation. You know, he asked God, but why has this happened? And then Gideon, then Lord says, have I not sent you? And then he says to him, oh, Lord, how can I save Israel? Do you ever sometimes feel inadequate before God? Do you think there's always, God, if, if it was me, I wouldn't choose me. There's somebody better for that. Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And that sometimes God allows that, to know that the glory goes to him. Just to know that it's nothing of you, it's all of him. To know other words, that, you know that um, God doesn't called the qualified but he qualifies the called and then where are his miracles which our fathers told us about you sometimes think where where do we see the miracles we see in the word did not the lord bring us from egypt so in other words you look at the past you even can remember when god came through and did things and you sometimes think i know that was then but will it be again now but then the Lord, why then has the Lord forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites? In other words, why are we going through this oppression? But I really want to tell you today that no matter what you're going through, no matter what your disappointments are, no matter what your circumstances are, our God is for us. Amen. Say to your neighbor, our God is for us. Amen. You better believe it. Amen. So, God is for us. Why? Let's have a look at some reasons why. God never meant us to lose in life. Amen. Sometimes we have setbacks. Sometimes we have hardships. Sometimes we have afflictions. And sometimes it's just because sometimes the decisions we make, it's never on God's side. So, and often as well, that we, sometimes the enemy can afflict. And there's a saying, um, Wendell Smith quotes once, that the devil will steal your packed lunch and then he'll get you to blame God for it. 
And also, sometimes situations happen, not necessarily because we've done anything wrong, it's just life. Life flows, sometimes cruel turns, life flows unexpected challenges, and sometimes we are setbacks. Sometimes we can lose battles, but we'll never lose the war in Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> but let's have a look at the life of Job. Job 10 verse 1. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not condemn me. Show me why you contend against me. But then we look towards the very end of the book in Job 42 verse 10. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And so in other words, sometimes no matter what you're going through, that your condition is not necessarily your conclusion. That God has always a desired end. I was saying sometimes I like when the Rocky films are on. Sometimes I watch them and I know what's coming. And it's all right, I don't have no problem when he gets beat in the... In the, in the first part of him, because you know in the end he'll end up winning. He'll end up winning more than he's, what, he's, what he's lost. <clears throat> but in other words, that God will always give you double for your trouble. The life of Joseph, Genesis 37 verse 24, then they took him and cast him into a pit. These are his brothers. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. So in other words, the pit had no Wi-Fi. It had no internet. That was what empty. And it had none of this as well. And sometimes Joseph had a dream, he had the call of God, but yet he found himself going through a pit. And then he was brought out of that pit only to be sold into slavery, in verse 27. But then we look, I and mean, then obviously we also know the story of how he was wrongly accused and bullied in a prison for a crime he didn't commit. But we see the end of it. Genesis 50. Verse 20, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as this day to save my people's lives. So sometimes uh, what people have meant for bad for, to you, God means it for your good. You know, it's not necessarily their, the will for them to do things, but ultimately God is sovereign, and he will use it for his greater plan and his greater purpose. Because the words, you know, the song we sing, our God is greater, our God is higher than any other. God does not hold our past against us. That's why, you know, that's why our God is for us. He's not, he doesn't pin us back to our past. He doesn't deal with us as our sins have deserved. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation in other words it's not a patched up job it's a brand new creation old things have passed away behold all things have become new sometimes it saddens me when i've come across christians often people generally who follow the culture more than the culture of the bible they say oh i'm still living out the punishment for the forefather what my grandparents have done but that's utter nonsense if you're in christ the bible says that that old is gone it doesn't say that old is still lingering over your life. It's completely gone. You're a new creation. It's a new day, a new dawn. If you're a new, if you're a new creation in Christ. In other words, that the past of any of your own doings or whatever your forefathers have nothing to do with the person you are in Christ today. Psalm 103 verse 12, as far as the east <coughs> is from the west. How far is that? How far is the east of... This Evington to the west of Bronson, how far is that? 
But what's more, how far is the tip of the, the most eastern part of Norwich to Plymouth, to the west? How far is that? No, how far is, is the most eastern part of the hemisphere to the western part of the hemisphere? How far? But it doesn't even stop there. How far is, the, is one side of the universe to the other? That's how far God has dealt with your iniquities. You don't have to live in the, for the mistakes of the past. God has dealt with them. The problem is, as Micah 7 verse 19 says, you have compassion on us again. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl them, all our iniquities, into the depths of the sea. The problem is, sometimes we go try and fishing for them and start to meditate and then get condemned and feel guilt about them. And I really, as I was getting this message together, that I really believe that your past, it's over. But your future is still to come. In other words, that your fu- make your future so bright that your, the pain of your past becomes insignificant. Maybe there's mistakes you've made in the past, which we all qualify for that. We've all made mistakes. But God does not hold you to it. That God has forgiven you. God has restored you. Often, sometimes when we do make mistakes, yeah, sometimes there's a season where he'll walk us through the consequences of that. But, you know, the Bible says, behold, he does a new thing. Um, it might be that you might have had a business in the past and it failed. And you may feel, well, that's my chance gone. But I don't believe so. I believe that you can still have a successful business. Just because it failed in the past doesn't mean that it will fail in the future. You may have owned houses, house before and you fell behind with a rent. And you think, well, that's my lot. That's my chance gone. But no, God is saying that there's another chance because God is the cha- God of another chance. I mean, it's a good saying, what I like, where it says God is the God of a second chance. But I think what's even better is that God is the God of another chance because the chances with God, it's not three strikes and you're out. I mean, in my type of work, what we do, people mess up three times and they're out, but not, not with God. You know, he'll give you another chance. He'll, give you an, he'll wipe the slain clean for you to go again. God brings discipline for our own good. You know, God is for us. Even through discipline, it's for our own good. It's working on our behalf. It's for our advantage. And nothing works without discipline. Hebrews 12, verse 5. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he disciplines and deals with every son whom he receives. For in days, for indeed a few days, the discipline in us has seemed best to them. But really it was for our profit. I mean, sometimes people were disciplined when they were younger. They may have saw stars and it was painful. But ultimately that might have made them the superstars they are today, that discipline. But ultimately, it's for our profit. So, in other words, that when God is bringing, dealing with things or working in your life, it's never from an angle of opposition. It's always from an angle of love. And he says that no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but it's painful. Nevertheless, afterwards, <clears throat> it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been chained by it. Um, I went to my daughter's... Um, open evening very recently, a few, a few weeks ago. And, um, and it seems as if it's like speed dating. You've got five minutes with that teacher, and then you're quickly, and we're running. And, 
And it's very much at a rush, and you're trying to fit them in. And, and I think this was our last one we had with a business one. And it's very much compact. And unfortunately, I was, we, we were sitting at the front seats, and, and the teacher was talking to his dad and his son. So we couldn't help but overhear. And this teacher seemed quite young, but really enthusiastic. I think she was a business teacher. And my lad was like that. And she says, put your shoulders up. It's opening evening. And then she was saying, but you've gone from that grade down to there, and that shouldn't be so. She says, is it your Xbox what's been bringing, this, bringing you to deteriorate? So she says, Dad, I want you to book control on the, the times he uses the Xbox. And, I'm, and on my part, I'm going to move you away from your distractors. And I'm going to also set you more tasks to do to bring you up. And I'm sure that must be painful for that lad. Probably spending less time in his Xbox, it might seem presently painful. It might seem painful that he's had to be moved away from his friends. It might seem painful that he's been, he has to work harder. But, you know, I'd like to think that basically, you know, in years to come, you know, he does all what, he works with that discipline. He'll look back and think of the fruit that's produced. You know, that could be the difference of, him, of his life, of his career. You know, and that's what you know, discipline is. It's always for our own good when God deals with us. No is also still an answer to prayer. Do you know, sometimes my, some of the best answers I've had from the Lord has been no. Do you know no can save you from a lifetime of toil? No's can shut doors what, which would have devoured you. So, Isaiah 55, verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither your ways my ways, declare the Lord. So sometimes the way God works is not the way we work. Sometimes we think what's rightful is God sees, no, actually no. I remember once I went for a job interview many years ago, and, um, and I think I messed up on my last point, and I'm really disappointed, but then... I found out later that, I don't know how long, but it wasn't too long, probably a year or two years at the most, that organisation folded. So, and I'm, you know, so otherwise I would have been out of work, and I've, the jobs, the career I've got now, I've been in for the last 20 years. So, you know, you sometimes look, but thank God God didn't give me over to my own way. But I also remember that nearly 20 years ago now, that, that a situation arose, and it wasn't a bad situation, it was a good situation. And I said, well, this, this is good. But not all good things are God things. And, um, and I really felt impressed in my heart that there was like an audible rise up, like a shout in my spirit, start, halt, no. And I thought, well, so get behind me. You know, I think this is... And to cut a long story short, 15 months later, after much toil, and, or probably a year later, much loss of finances and heartache, but that thing what I pursued, what God said, well, I stop to it, I learned a lesson. And I just thought to myself, what I learned from it, well, that could have been avoided 12 months ago. But I insisted that I knew better. And you know, even the Bible says sometimes it's hard to kick against the goads. And God does not withhold any good thing from us. I mean, who wants the good things from God? Amen. Who likes good things? Who really wants them to be released into our life? Psalm 84, verse 11. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. God desires to give you the best. 
Amen. God, that's what you know. God's not a stingy God. God wants you to have all what He's set you out to have. But often, sometimes things can. God has got good things for you, but it's just put a time factor on it. It might not be for now. So, in other words, just because it's delayed, doesn't mean that you'll be denied from it. Sometimes you might be leaving for real good things in your life. And you might think, God, I've been waiting a long time. It doesn't necessarily mean that God is against you from having it. It's just got, he's got the <clears throat> perfect timing. There's also another condition with that, with that scripture. It says that he does not withhold any good to those who walk uprightly. So if sometimes if we're not living in God's best, and some, often it can be, it's never on God's side. It's sometimes, it's always on our side. In other words, uh, we need to align ourselves to what God wants to give us. In other words, you can't really expect God to bless your finances if you're withholding from him. If you withhold your tithe, your first fruits, your offerings, then you can't really expect then God to open the windows of heaven because that's not God can't ever violate his word. Often there's this famous saying that all people qualify for his love, but not all qualify for his favor. <clears throat> if you're in dealing with dishonest gains then you can't expect God to approve it you can't for God to put his rubber stamp on that to give you his thumbs up because it says in the Bible that a dishonest inheritance won't be blessed in the end if you're in, you know, in living a life of immorality you can't expect God to be on your side and God cheering you on in that God will have nothing to withdraw himself from that so if you want to live in God's best then you need to really live right before him god has no problem with you having a blessed journey in life psalm 35 verse 27 to 28 let them shout for joy and be glad who favor my righteous cause and let them say continually let the lord be magnified who has pleasure in the poverty of his people do you think god takes pleasure to see people Busted, disgusted, and broke? No. But it says, who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. In other words, God wants the best for you. Prosperity isn't just about money. It's about a whole good journey. It's about, not only is it about work, it's about health. Because, you know, it's possible to have a lot of money, but that's no good if your health isn't there to match up with it. God really has no problem. Often, sometimes, in times past, people have had a false humility, saying, oh, God wants, if God wants to give me money, he'll give me money. Well, it's like saying, if God wants to comb my hair, he'll comb my hair. God, God, it's quite clear that God wants you blessed. Poverty doesn't bring him. Well, Jesus was poor. No, he didn't. Jesus says, with me, you, the poor you'll have, but not me. So in other words, Jesus says, I'm not poor. Jesus is rich. And often, you know, God has no problem. Sometimes people think they're against... I mean, God's got no problem in you being the head and not the tail. God's got no problem in you progressing in work. God's got no problem in you owning your own home. Amen? And often it's... Um, and God has got no... is not against you having a fun-filled life. You know, sometimes people think, oh, I need to be, as a Christian, need to be miserable. I need to be serious. No, God is not against that at all. John 10, verse 10, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So God is not against you. It's okay to be happy. 
It's okay to be happy in the house of God. I mean, the main speaker yesterday was mentioning that we went to some part of the world, and he tries to tell jokes. And they're really they're nice jokes. And he says he told them um, uh, in this particular part of the world, and it, it went down like a lead balloon. You know, in other words, that sometimes some people in the culture think you can't be happy in the house of God. You can't laugh. God isn't against you being happy. Amen. You know, and sometimes I've seen it where Christians get really legalistic. They think God is against everything. God is against having makeup. Well, he is for the men. <laughs> but it's all right to wear makeup if you're a lady. God will not beat you up for it. Or sometimes, oh, God doesn't want, God's against me having a bit of jewellery. He won't, that, that's never here or very, it doesn't, having a piece of jewellery or having not doesn't increase your relationship with God. It's, it's one of these things that are neither here or there. It's, a matter, it's not a matter of issue of morality, it's an issue of, of um, preference. And sometimes, you know, all oh, God is against, I, mean, I think some people grew up in the old generation, all oh, God is against, is against me going to the cinema. Who grew up like that? Well, you know, God's not against you. Obviously, in saying that, you obviously you have to be discreet in what you watch. Obviously, it's like when the television, you know, you need to... Television is fine, but it's what you watch. Because I remember years ago, um, I think I've shared this before, Ruth had a friend from Uganda. She was a student here. Um, this was about 2004. And we went down to the Odeon near the cattle marketplace. And we was going in, we was going to, on the Monday night, I remember, we were going to the cinema... And she, I think she just had a, f- a year left before she would go back to Uganda. And she was in, engaged to a real preacher man. And, he f- and she happened to phone him when she was in the foyer of the cinema. And she, he said, oh, well, what are you doing? Oh, I'm with Neil and Ruth and we're going to we're at the cinema. What, you're in the cinema? What happens if Jesus come back tonight? <laughs> How does it glorify Jesus being in the picture house? And she says, well, don't, don't worry. We're watching The Passion of Christ. <laughs> so so it's, not the, it's not the issue. Sometimes people who are religious, it's possible to have... It's a difference between having a born-again relationship and a born-again religion. It's possible to have a religion of do's and don'ts. And if anything, you're just putting burdens on it. You're, you're more burden than you was before you gave your life to the, Christ, to the Lord. Because the Bible says that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. So let's have a look. With God on our side, we can conquer all of our life's challenges. <clears throat> Amen? You know, God outfights and outnumbers our opposition. Exodus 15, the Lord will fight for you. Uh, Frederick Douglass puts it this way. One with God makes a majority. Amen. So a bit about his life. He was in the 19th century. He was initially a slave. He escaped. And then he got himself and he campaigned to end slavery. He challenged preachers, churches. He even came to the UK to really end, uh, to abolish slavery. And I'm sure he looked at it and think, this is just too big for me. How can my life ever make a difference? But he, that's why he says, with God, we're actually, we're favourites to win this. And sometimes it can be in your own life as well. You might look at a situation what just seems too big. How can my life ever make a difference to this world? How can I ever leave an impact? Just, it's just too big. Sometimes you might look and look at the population of less than seeing how, how many people are away from Christ. 
And you think, how can we ever make a difference in this city? But when God is on your side, you're in the majority. There's no odds what are too greater than for, for God. No matter what the odds are, you and God, you're a favorite still to win. I mean, we learned a big lesson in the sporting world. About three years ago, Leicester City won the Premier League. And they were 5,000 to 1 to win against it. So I, I understand what it means. In other words, they were saying that maybe if, you had five, if we all lived 5,000 years, they could accomplish it. It would take, it would, in one year out of the 5,000 years, Leicester could, could, could win that Premier League. And it was against all odds. And they won. And sometimes the greater the odds, the greater the testimony. Because everybody still talks about that now. If Man United win the Premier League or Man City, it, it didn't create so much excitement. Because everybody now says, even the, the, the underdogs, everybody says potentially we could do a Leicester. Even when the odds are stacked up against it. It's a testimony where people refer back. <laughs> And thinking that we could actually do... Everybody talks about Leicester City because of their obvious 5,000. Well, the Americans loved it. It, it caused... Uh, even people who weren't interested in football came alive <laughs> to the story. You know, even... You know, I'm going to mention some names there, but I won't. But they were asking me about, <laughs> about it. And that's why sometimes the greater the giant... the greater the fall, the greater the testimony. And it doesn't matter if the odds are 10,000 to 1. With God, your favourite, your firm favourite to win. Amen. There's no two odds what are great. And even, I suppose, following on from Jim's great word last week about against all hope. You know, no matter against all hope, with Jesus, you can still win. Psalm 108, verse 13. With God on our side, we will win. Amen? He will defeat our enemies. And Psalm 24, verse 8. The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O your gates, and be lifted up your everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Sometimes for the King of glory to come in, you've got to look up. Because what is the Lord? It describes him that he's strong and mighty in battle. The Lord isn't feeble to fight on your behalf. Sometimes we need to look onto God for, for our answer. <clears throat> 2 Kings 6 verse 16. Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And, the, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of a young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Do you ever sometimes feel that you're in a situation where you're overwhelmed? The situation is too big. But, you know, with our God, he's greater and our stronger. And even that song, it may look look like I'm surrounded, but ultimately I'm surrounded by him. Do you ever sometimes think, you know, this situation, how am I ever going to get through? But but I'm just here to say that what is for you is far greater than that which is against you. You know, no demon can ever outweigh you. But the population of the devil, of the demons, was one-third, fell. 
but there's still two-thirds of angelic hosts will outnumbers that. No matter, no matter what the situation is, but there's more going for you than what's going against you. You have the word of God. You have the authority to pray. You have the authority to rebuke the enemy. You have the house of God, which is for you. If you're ever discouraged, there's always more who are going to encourage you than discourage you out in the world. That's why it's always important to stay in the house of the Lord. And I want to pray that if anybody here feels that they're outnumbered, then I just want to pray that just like Elisha prayed, I pray open your eyes. I pray today that your eyes will be opened. I pray, God, that what you, know, what you don't see, that you, just to realize. And then when you had that revelation, that the Lord opened the eyes of a young man, and he saw the place was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Father God, I just want to pray today, Father God, if people are in that situation, where they just feel overwhelmed, where they don't see their answer, their breakthrough coming, they don't see how they'll ever get out of the situation. I pray, God, that you'll give revelation. I pray you'll open eyes, that they'll see that you who's for them is far greater than that which is ever against them. And that whatever is against people is no match for, what, for God who's working on their behalf, we pray. Amen. Nothing then can stand against us. <clears throat> 1 John 4 verse 4, because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. In other words, no matter what the situation in the world is, it's no match. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Romans 8 verse 37, yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I think it would be wonderful just to say that we are conquerors in Christ. But it goes above that to say that we're actually above and beyond conquering. But our win isn't, we don't just scrape the barrel. We don't just scrape over the finish line. We win with much to spare. We don't just win on goal difference. We win with points to spare. We win in abundance. We don't just win as a a one-off. Having won, then we win, go and accomplish our next victory. And this one is Romans 8 verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? And to be honest, this is a, a personal scripture, what obviously what has a bit of a niche for me, because this is the word what we had when Ruth and I were going to get married, but God is for us. It doesn't matter what's against us. You know, because there was things what could have been against us. I mean, obviously there were some of my relatives what couldn't understand, to be an unlearned person, they couldn't understand how... Somebody from could meet somebody from Africa. They, they, you know, we had, you know, we we had different, um, suppose two different cultures that we could people could have seen matters against. It obviously, you know, we we didn't have that long time scale. You know, we didn't, um, you know, because the Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing, and obtains favor from the Lord. It doesn't say he who finds a girlfriend finds a good thing. He who finds somebody hang, you know, and it says they obtain favor from the lord and and we really you know we came to that situation you know we, you know we didn't have ruth was living in away in another part of the country in london i was living here you know we didn't even have the same church but we just knew that god obviously we were for each other which helped ruth was for me and i was for ruth but ultimately god was for us and that was over 17 years and i remember that despite the opposition but I, I remember being introduced to Ruth's church in London, and it was a complete surprise. Ruth kept it quiet. 
And, but we met with a pastor. The pastor was great. Um, and he, it was one of the big college universities they met. It was probably bigger than here, similar size to here, probably bigger. And they got me to the front of the church. And he says, oh, um, and I stood out in Ruth's church. <laughs> I mean, read between the lines on that one. So people were saying, well, oh, what's he doing here? And, and then right at the end of, the mess, of his message, he says, well, I've got an announcement to make. He, says, uh, he, said, he, he called me to come forward and he introduced who I was. And he says, this is Neil Gallagher. This is from Leicester. And he's come to take one of our daughters. And, but, and, he, and everybody was... And he was drum rolling and drum rolling it. And he was, um, and everybody was on edge. Who, who? And he was going on, talking a bit more, talking on. And then when he says, Ruth Kakanzi, come down. So, you know, that's how we saw God was for us. And then about three months later, you know, God created a marvelous wedding. And, you know, we saw God's provision. And, and we're just glad we didn't listen to the critics. Because, you know, I don't know whether you'd even be here if it was, if, we'd have, if I'd have allowed the negativity to take its place. You know, I mean, think about, you know, Shalom and Shiloh. You know, but we thank God that we went with what God was leading us. We knew that God was for us. And then, um, so, and Lee Vedding quotes this, a few couple of weeks ago when you were speaking about it's not over till it's over. No matter what you're going through, God is on your side. Amen. So the Apostle Paul lists things in Romans 8, 35 to 38 that can't stand in the way of God being for us. So I'm going to just, we should come on the screen, some things. Tribulation. Distress. You know, no distress. You're blessed to be, you're too blessed to be stressed. No distress can ever stand in the way of God being for you. Persecution. Famine. Nakedness. Peril. Violence, death, life, any present trouble, you know, whatever the outcome of Brexit will be, present trouble, whatever, it, it cannot stop God being for you. Any spiritual force, you know, the enemy is defeated. Any height, do you know there's not too, anything too high for God to, to bring? There's no too mountain, there's not anything which is too beyond out of God's reach. No depth, in other words, there's nothing what God cannot ring up whatever life throws at you just none of these things are any match for God being on our side they're real we're not insignificant but ultimately they, they have no final say in our life <clears throat> and God backs us to pursue everything the enemy seeks to oppose 1 Samuel 30 verse 8 so David inquired of the Lord saying shall I pursue this troop Shall I overtake them? And he answered them and says, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover them. And sometimes I'm just, when I look at that time when David was discouraged, when Ziklag had been burnt to ruins, he came back from after his time with the Philistines in battle. He came to find out that his town had been looted and brought down to ruins. He found that his wives had been captured. And not only that, the Amalites wanted to stone him for good measure. So obviously that would have brought anybody discouragement. But David sought the Lord. And when I was reading that, who's read Pastor Chip's book, Giants Will Fall? I see so many stories of Pastor Chip's life in that passage of scripture. 
There was times, I'm sure, Pastor Chipper shared that he felt like giving up. He felt that he was discouraged. The time when he was in Huddersfield, I was reading, and when he was living in Church Avenue in Huddersfield, when the cellar was damp and he had no money for Christmas, and he, he thought, God, I've left all this for this. And then he stepped out and looked at, looked at the stars, and then God told him to number them. And, you know, I'm sure Pastor Chip said, do I pursue what you've taught, called me to do in this country, or do I go back to the lovely, warm Trinidad? But no, God says, no, you overtake that. You go and pursue what I've called you to do. And then the next significant challenge, when he came to Leicester, that, you know, not everybody welcomed him. You know, there was people who said derogatory comments who should not have said that. There were people who were scorning and laughing and... You know, I'm sure he said, well, it, well, it's Leicester for real. What's up with this Leicester place? Why? You know, shall I go back to Huddersfield and go back where I've got to, you know, I can get my job back and get my position in the church, as a youth leader? But, you know, it, Pastor Chip strengthened himself in the Lord, just like David in that time. And God, you know, would have given him that encouragement. God, you pursue the church I've got you to lead in this city. And several years later, we, you know, we can see the benefits of that, of not giving up. And sometimes it might be in a situation what you're going through. You just might need to get, be strengthening yourself in the Lord. And God's going to give you the thumbs up to go for it, to go what God has put in your heart to do. It might be, you know, God wants to probably give you the green light. You know, do I continue this or do I just draw a line for it but maybe God is saying to you you pursue it surely you'll overtake it surely I'm going to give it you're going to recover all I'm going to restore all for you I'm going to bless you so as we're really looking to wind up if we can turn in our Bibles to Romans 8 verse 28 to 38 we're just going to read it together And this really brings us back to the thing, to the first scripture. What shall we say to all these things? So let's have a look at the things what Paul is saying. What brings him to that wonderful, powerful conclusion that no matter what is against us, what's more important that God is for us. <clears throat> so who is that Romans 8? We there? And we know that all things work together for good to those, if we've got it, if we can read it. To those who love God, to those who are called <clears throat> according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. For moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his only son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or the sword? As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. In verse 37, yet in all 
These things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels or principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. So Paul lists some great promises from this passage of scripture of how our God is for us. God is, will even use our worst to fulfill his own good purpose in our life. Sometimes God can even take a mess and make a message out of it. God can even turn some disappointments, what might have not even been our doing, and still make it divine appointments. God can still turn situations around. Sometimes what people even meant evil for you, still God can still use that and make it for good for you. You might be here and realizing that if we look at all the people here, people have gone through different situations in their life. But you've got to know that all the bad situations, what you've gone through, you're sitting here today. Because God works all things out to his purpose. And the key is to those who love God. If you love God, God will always work it out for you. And you are called. God, before before time begun, God chose us to be justified and glorified in him. You know, you're not forsaken. God has chosen you. You're chosen by God. And you're for the purpose of so he could justify him, that you could that he could be glorified through your life. God, who did not spare his only son, will surely freely give us all things. Do you know God never withheld his best from us? And, he, and he's still the same God who still wants to, who still does not wish to withhold his best for us today. God wants you to access all the things he has for you. Christ has made us free from all condemnation. You know, there's no condemnation in Christ. You don't have to feel condemned. Christ is at the right hand of God praying for us. Isn't that wonderful? Even if people forget to pray for you, still Jesus is still praying for you to make it. Jesus is still praying that your faith will not fail. Jesus is still praying for 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 his own intervention in your situation. God has made us to be more than conquerors through Christ. And nothing, therefore, can ever separate us from the love of God. These are the great promises to show. These are the things what Paul is talking about, what brings him to say that if God, God, is, if God is for us, then who can be against us? So on a personal note, then how can that we apply that to our own life? It should be coming up on the board. Therefore, I will seek to live a life that is approved and well-pleasing to God. Amen. So if you know that God is for you, you want to live a life what pleases him. You want God not just to use you, but also to approve of you as well. Trust in the Lord with all my heart. But if you know that God is working for you, if you know that God has got your back covered, you know if you know God is working on your behalf and fighting for you, you know you can trust him. You can trust that he'll bring a good conclusion to every situation. Live as a victor and not a victim. We don't have to live with a victim mentality. Pastor Chip often says you can't be a vict- expect to live as a victor with a victim mentality. You, know, you can live as a victor. You know, we, we're not victims. Amen. God causes us to triumph in his name. <clears throat> Believe the report of the Lord in what God says I am in Christ. Amen. Whose report will you believe? There's so many reports you can believe. Sometimes people believe the reports of what 
sometimes the parents said or what the teachers said or the reports of what the culture have said or the government of the day have said. But ultimately, you can believe the report of the Lord. And the report of the Lord says that you are well. The report of the Lord says that you are blessed. The report of the Lord says that he will never leave you or forsake you. That's the report you want to hold on to. There's so many different reports of what could happen in the political spectrum in the coming seasons. But ultimately, what matters the most is that the report of the Lord which stands steadfast. Refuse to live in fear no matter what may come my way. Do you know what? We don't have to live in fear. Because we know that God is for us. We know that if God is on our side, that God will take care of us. See with the eyes of faith the downfall of my enemies. Because it says in Psalm 56, 9, Therefore, because God is with me, my enemies will turn away from me. Boldly accomplish all things that God has set before me to do. Philippians 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So therefore, if God is for you, you can do what he's called you to do. He's, you can do what, what he's set out b- with you, not because of, his, of your own strength, because of the strength he gives you, the ability he gives you. Amen. So as we've c- concluded really the message, I'd just be, be good if we could stand to our feet. And I just really want to <coughs> pray today for people you know if you want to pray if today in any way which this message has spoken to people it might have already spoken you know believe me it was spoken maybe into situations you may go for be in a difficult situation and just like god wants to just to bring that home truth home to you again that assurance that he's for you he's not against you and no matter what is against you what's more important that is who is for you so i just pray today if 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 a word in any way is connected home or spoken to your life, if you just raise your hand, we just want to pray today. As hands are going up, we want to pray. <clears throat> Father God, we just want to thank you, Father God, that our, that our God is for us. Thank you, that's enough to give us hope. That's enough to give us strength. That's enough to live a victorious life. That's enough for us to be more than overcomers today, Father. And we just pray that you would strengthen and affirm every person in this place today, Father. We'll not remain the same. We'll not be people who worry, Father God. But we'll know that you are fighting for us. We thank you that you'll fight people's battles, Father. But you'll stand, you'll show yourself strong to them, Father. We want to thank you for your truth that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. We just want to thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name.